Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the third season of Criminalia. This season, we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious imposters throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. And before we can actually dig into this episode's imposter, we have to talk first about Russian history to lay a bit of groundwork here. The Romanov family ruled Russia for more than 300 years, beginning in 1613 with Mikhail Romanov. The dynasty gave us Peter the Great, Alexander the Great, and the very famous Catherine the Great. And Nicholas II, who took the throne in 1894, was ultimately not destined to be Nicholas the Great. It was widely said that he was really a lot more interested in his very tight-knit family than in matters of state. He was quite shy and gentlemanly, and he was known to be chronically indecisive. Never a good quality for a leader. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) And he was also married to an unpopular German-born empress named Alexandra. The Romanovs have five children. Their fourth child, Anastasia, was born on June 18, 1901. She was the youngest daughter of Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra. 
But Nicholas wasn't bombarded with congratulations when she was born. He was bombarded with headlines, though, about the couple not yet having a male heir. This is one example from the New York Times, which read, Tsar has another daughter. Russian people again disappointed in their hope that an heir to the throne would be born. So that's not the most auspicious start to life, is it? No, and it's very telling that that's something that was being reported worldwide, not just in the Russian press, but New York Times. Over here in the States. Of the sisters in the family, Olga was the bookish one. Tatiana was a poised beauty. Maria was sweet and kind-hearted, and Anastasia was, uh, well, by most accounts, she was reportedly a little bit of a hellraiser. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of that kid that's a free spirit. Yeah. But considering that she was a royal, there's really not a whole lot of information about Anastasia's life. And historians believe that that's because there wasn't really anything remarkable about it. It probably wasn't much different, for example, than that of her sisters. And remember, as well, she had been a disappointment in terms of the country's desires. So Mm -hmm. meticulously documenting her early life was probably not really a priority. Anastasia, along with her older sisters, as well as her younger brother, Alexei, were known for their family name, of course, but they weren't really known for their health. Alexei lived with hemophilia. Anastasia suffered from a weak muscle in her back, as well as painful bunions on her feet, which both sometimes affected her mobility. Their mother often called upon Gregory Rasputin, who was believed to have healing powers. Over time, though, Rasputin became a close confidant to Alexandra, and it's said he had quite a bit of influence in her life. So this story is not about Rasputin, though. So we're not going to get into the scandal of his relationship over the Romanov children. And if we did, we could be here for days. So we'll move on. There's so much information in the world about Rasputin if you're just eager for a trip down the rabbit hole. Yes. But in terms of the Romanovs, the children were formally educated, but they were educated at home. And we know Anastasia loved singing and dancing and that she frequently painted with watercolors. Some reports about her hint that although she was quite smart, she also was not really what you would categorize as an attentive student. (laughs) A lady-in-waiting to her mother called Anastasia, quote, a sharp and clever child who liked to play practical jokes on her siblings. Not surprising for the Hellraiser at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) While we don't really have an immense amount of information about her early life, unfortunately, we do know about Anastasia's death. So her father, Nicholas II, abdicated the throne on March 15, 1917. That was in an attempt to prevent a civil war from breaking out. That attempt did not work. The civil war happened just the same. And he and his family were taken captive and placed under house arrest. It was early in the morning of July 17, 1918, that the entire royal family, including a teenaged Anastasia, were taken to the basement, assured that they were being protected from their rebellious violence. But instead, the family, along with four members of their staff, which included Dr. Eugene Bodkin, the family physician, Alexei Trupp, valet to Nicholas, Anna Demidova, maid to Alexandra, and Ivan Karatonov, the family cook, as well as the family's dog, whose name we do not know. But they were all executed in Yekaterinburg, Russia. The Romanov's extended family were either killed as well or they were exiled. And according to an initial statement from the firing squad, they had killed only Nicholas II. But they later reported they had killed the entire family 
but that Anastasia was one of the last to be executed. The accounts of the men from that firing squad, however, were mostly confusing and mostly unhelpful, and they proved themselves only good for spreading rumors and gossip. The assassination was carried out by communist revolutionaries led by Bolshevik party leader Vladimir Lenin. A quick and very high-level history note on this time in Russia. So there was more than one war going on, including World War I, when Lenin and his party launched a coup against the Russian government. That was Nicholas's government. And within two days, July 16th and 17th, outside of those executions of the royal family, there was no bloodshed and Lenin rose to power as the country's new ruler. The Bolshevik Party renamed themselves the Russian Communist Party, and Lenin served as the founding head of the government of Soviet Russia, and then the Soviet Union, until 1924. With Nicholas off the throne, the assassination was a permanent end to the royal family, the line of succession was over, and so was the Romanov reign. So right now we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and when we're back, we're going to talk about royal imposters. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. 
Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's get back to the story and talk about someone who was called Miss Unknown. Although Anastasia died in 1918, for years following the assassination of her family, gossip and speculation seemed to actually keep her alive in the mind of Russians. Conspiracy theories, as well as imposters of the members of the royal family, began to emerge. And there were Imposters claiming to be pretty much everyone, including Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Alexei. But in total, there were more than 30 women who impersonated Anastasia, and one guy who claimed that he was her son. Those who have made the claim include Eleonora Kruger, between 1901 and 1954, who posed as the Grand Duchess in a Bulgarian village. Just kind of lived out her life telling everyone that was the scoop. It seems like they believed it. In the mid-20th century, there is a tragic story about a mentally ill woman who spent years in hospitals and prisons in the USSR. She actually died in a psychiatric hospital in 1971. And the list really continues. There are a lot of people we could talk about. But here is an interesting one that is a little less tragic. One imposter actually wrote Anastasia's memoirs, as though she were Anastasia, in which she described exactly how she escaped. That was all false. And I have a new book for my book class. (laughs) Right? Perhaps the best known imposter of Anastasia was a woman who called herself Anna Anderson. So we're going to pause for just a minute because this is an important thing to tell you. The next part of our conversation will include brief talk about a failed suicide attempt, which 
may be triggering for some of our listeners. So stay safe, mute us for just a minute, and we'll be right back with that. Okay, so here we go. In Berlin in 1920, a woman was rescued from a canal after a failed attempted suicide. And after she was rescued, she spent several months in a psychiatric hospital, which at the time was called Daldorf Asylum. And upon her arrival and intake at the asylum, though, she was a total unknown. She had no sort of identification on her at all. Right, which makes it really difficult when you're trying to do intake. (laughs) So she became known at the hospital as Fräulein Unbekannt, which translates into English as Miss Unknown. So it's said that Miss Unknown would lie in her bed with a blanket pulled over her face all day long, which to me sounds like a woman who's really scared, frightened, needs a little help. It took her nearly six months before she felt comfortable enough to get out of her bed and even to talk to other patients. Her name was actually not Miss Unknown, to surprise no one. It was Anna Anderson. And around this time at the psychiatric hospital that she was at, a magazine article about Anastasia crossed Anna's path. A woman named Anna Chemnitz, who worked at the asylum, gave an account of what happened after Anna saw this article. And we quote, She asked me if I didn't notice something about it, and I answered that I didn't. She then said, can't you see the similarity between us two? Anna's accent and her, quote, Romanov blue eyes had some patients wondering if the former Miss Unknown was actually Grand Duchess Anastasia, who, of course, had been executed in 1918. And Anna didn't deny that she was, although at this point she didn't confirm it either. And because she was a bit coy about it, others in the hospital speculated that she was really royalty. And as a consequence, Anna became quite a curiosity. And she was a curiosity not just to the other patients in the hospital. Journalists and Russian aristocrats learned about this unusual woman, and they kind of got hooked and a little invested in her story as well. Some thought she could be the genuine Anastasia, but others dismissed her as yet another royal fraud. Because remember, there had been a lot already by this time. Yes, very many. And it didn't help that there were also very many rumors swirling around about this. For example, and this is one of my favorite rumors that popped up, it was suggested that the Romanov daughters survived because there were jewels sewn into their corsets, and those jewels protected them from bullets. It's a fancy, fancy bulletproof vest. Right? I wish Jules could help them out in the bullet situation, but sadly, probably not. (laughs) Right. Some versions of that story that I have seen suggest, like, they were not intended, to be clear, to stop bullets. Right. That was a way to hide the family wealth while they were imprisoned. Exactly. And it was noted in Anna's file that she exhibited some antisocial behavior and that she had some unusual scars on her body. And she also spoke with a strange accent. While she had initially been noncommittal on the matter, or, you know, perhaps she was waiting for the right time, Anna eventually claimed that she was actually Anastasia and the only surviving member of the Romanov family. Her story went like this. She had been wounded, but she survived the attack, and a guard who was sympathetic to the royal family smuggled her out of Russia. She did know some little-known facts about the royal family, but that alone wasn't really enough to convince anyone that she was the real thing. The immediate relatives of the Romanov family did not believe Anna's story. At all. (laughs) Said Prince Nicholas Romanov, a cousin of Nicholas II, quote, The murder of the Tsar and his family was such a horrible thing 
there was that wish among the people that it couldn't be so horribly true. After her stay in the hospital, Anna was actually still a hot topic. Books were written about her, both for and against whether or not she was a fraud. Lawsuits were filed, although nothing ever came from them. And she continued to make her claim from 1938 all the way till 1970. And after many tries, she actually was never able to get her claimed royal name and lineage recognized by the European courts, which repeatedly found that Anna couldn't provide concrete evidence that she was Anastasia. But what did happen was that this woman who called herself Anna Anderson, but pretended to be Anastasia Romanoff, unintentionally kind of became an important and interesting part of Russian history. So let's take another break for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll figure out if Anna really was who she claimed she was. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Criminalia. Okay, let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, skeletons. Yes, okay, so around the time the USSR fell in 1990, a mass grave of what was believed to be the royal family was discovered. The remains were sent to a forensics lab, and all were eventually confirmed to be the Romanov family. But two victims were unaccounted for, Anastasia's sister Maria and her brother Alexei. The remains of both children were eventually discovered as well, but that didn't happen until 2007. And there's an interesting thing here, because as early as 1927, a Berlin newspaper ran an investigative report on Anna. And they actually got it all right, even without DNA testing and today's forensic techniques. I totally want to meet this journalist. <laughs> I do too, right? Like, somebody was super on the ball. Exactly. 
So this report revealed that her name was Franziska Szynkowska and that she was a Polish factory worker. And she had been reported missing after she had been injured in a factory explosion. And this Berlin paper noted that the timeline of her disappearance coincided with when Anna relocated and appeared in Berlin. Anna, though, continued to refuse all claims suggesting that she was not the missing royal she said that she was. And she would quietly remind everyone that she was Grand Duchess Alexandra Romanov. Also problematic for Anna right at this time was that she had an actual brother, Felix, and Felix identified her as his sister. In 1991, after Anna's death, a DNA sample confirmed what that newspaper had reported decades earlier. Right? (laughs) She was definitely not related to the Romanov family. Skeletal remains were found in a forest near Ekaterinburg, and with DNA testing, it had been confirmed that they matched Nicholas II and his family. And then the bodies of the two youngest children were still, at this time, as Maria mentioned a moment ago, missing. In 2007, there were two sets of remains found nearby the original burial site. Again, because of DNA testing and confirmed by multiple identification laboratories, today, It is believed that these skeletons that were found in 2007 are the remains of the two missing Romanov children, Maria and Alexei. In 1994, the Russian government confirmed that Anastasia's bones were among the remains of the royal family that had been identified conclusively in 1991. After two years of research, scientists concluded that Anastasia's body was definitely accounted for. This is kind of a bit of a modern-day side note rabbit hole to go on, but it'll be fast. So Queen Elizabeth II, her husband, Prince Philip, and all of their descendants are actually related to the Romanovs. It's all through Queen Victoria, who was Alexandra's grandmother. So Queen Victoria and her husband, Albert, had nine children, and they had dozens of grandchildren who married throughout the royal houses of Europe. And for that reason, Victoria is sometimes called the grandmother of Europe. And done. (laughs) Done. Yeah, almost every royal family has some quick connection back to Victoria and Albert. Right. (laughs) More than 100 years, give or take a year, had passed when the Russian Orthodox Church actually reopened the case of the Romanov family. Today, all members of the immediate family have been identified through DNA evidence. But despite the findings, which were based on 37 different evaluations by forensic, molecular, genetic, and handwriting experts, The church claimed that the scientific investigation had been mishandled, and they continue to believe that the remains that were found are not those of the Romanov family. So then, of course, we have Anna. With genetic testing, it was determined that Anastasia was assassinated along with her family. Anna's fraud was confirmed solidly when her DNA did not match that of the Romanov remains, nor did it match any living descendants of the Romanov family. Scientists also compared Anna's DNA with that of a man named Carl Mauker. She did match with Carl, who happened to be a great-nephew of Franziska Szynkowska. It was confirmed that Anna was, in fact, that missing Polish factory worker named, you got it, Franziska. Today, historians and scientists agree that Anna and Franziska were the same person. Nicholas Romanov, Prince of Russia, and I'm going to quote him here. I am certain at the end of her life, she believed in her own story, and in a confused way, she forgot her own life. And there are those who wished to share her story, 
People look for exceptional events to change the past, but history is brutally effective in its solutions and brutally simple. I have to say, based on the two quotes we have of him here, I think he's an insightful person who gets right to the point. He definitely gets right to the point, yes. Of course, everyone wants to believe the better and more hopeful story, and I understand that, but you gotta live in reality, people. He has a point. He's like, everybody wants to believe in something that's a fairy tale. Yeah, that's less horrific than reality. Yeah. Understandable. In 1968, Anna emigrated to the United States, and she continued her story about being the Grand Duchess. Her niece, Waltraud Shingoska, reportedly said, we quote, My auntie was the cleverest of the four children. She wanted to come out into the world, wanted to become an actress, something special. Well, Anna was something special, but just not something that I would have imagined for her. When she was in the United States, she married history professor Jack Manahan, and Jack was also a firm believer that his wife was Grand Duchess Anastasia. He would later describe her as, and I'm going to quote him here, probably Charlottesville's best love eccentric. In 1984, Anna died of complications of pneumonia in Charlottesville, Virginia, where she was known as Annie Apple, a mad local. Anna's story continues to be very popular. She has been the plot of Broadway shows, Hollywood movies, the Royal Ballet, Fox Animation Studios made a film about her, and there have been books ranging in nature from very scholarly to quite romantic. I like that she ended up with someone who loved her so much that he thought that she was Anastasia. <laughs> yeah. She, she kind of got to live out her, yeah. her belief the way she wished. I also love that her community, when she was there in the 80s, referred to her as Annie Apple, a mad local. <laughs> it's sort of sweet. It's as if they knew her history, but it really didn't bother them. <laughs> so, before we get into the drink, I was reading that in 2019, there were mocktail bars popping up in New York City and probably other cities around the country. Yeah. Only mocktails. And, and just two years later, there are like more than a dozen in, in one city and they're really just popping up. So your recipes could be more and more popular. So what do you have for us today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting for a few reasons, right? One, I mean, there is a, a bigger interest in the idea of having like yummy libations that are are not alcohol-laden for a variety of reasons. There are some people who are just less interested in drinking. Yeah. I also wonder how much of that is, in terms of its growth as an industry, is tied, at least in some small part, to the fact that you don't need as many licenses to open a mocktail bar. We don't need a liquor license to sell juice. <laughs> so my mocktail this time is called The Other Romanov. And this comes with its own kooky story. So get ready. <laughs> So first of all, because of the name similarities, I immediately thought of Strawberries Romanov when I began brainstorming about a drink that might suit Anna's story. Yes. Do you know the story of Strawberries Romanov, though? You have told this to me before. There's a reason this particular dessert is so deeply appropriate to link to this tale, because it is normally credited in its invention to a restaurateur who went by the name Michael Romanov. Mm-hmm. His real name was Harry F. Gergeson. That was an anglicized version of his birth name, Herschel Gergeson. And he claimed to be a member of the House of Romanov. But he ran a restaurant in California that was very popular for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's where he created, allegedly, Strawberries Romanov, which you normally see with two Fs on the end instead of the V, but they're sometimes interchangeable. 
So I thought it would be fun if we came up with a, a drinkable version of strawberries Romanoff. If you haven't ever had it, it's basically like fresh cut strawberries in a, a beautiful crystal dish often mm-hmm. with like a, a cream sauce that's sweet and has kind of some nice layering of flavors to it. Yum. So this is a little bit of a build your own adventure drink because you want to alter some things to suit probably. So it starts with two pints of strawberries though. And you want to, of course, you know, cut off the stems. If you have a good blender, you don't really have to do much more than that. You don't need to chop them up or anything. Just toss them in. And then you need something to create that creamy element. I have seen many different recipes for just literally making strawberries Romanoff when you're not blending it into a drink. But (laughs) So you can use something like vanilla ice cream or heavy cream here. But here's the thing. I actually prefer sour cream for this. Mm-hmm. Like a half cup of sour cream is perfect because it gives this this richness and like uh, it's a little cheesecakey when you sip it, which is very nice. And then you're going to use two to three tablespoons of the sweetener of your choice. Some people like confectioner sugar. Some people like regular granulated sugar. I like brown sugar because, again, it adds a nice layer of flavor. Mm-hmm. I also add a teaspoon of fresh orange zest. So just zest the skin of your orange with your your fine grater over that blender. Throw this all in a blender. Blend it, blend it, blend it. And then take a peek at it. See what its consistency is like. And add a milk. I like oat milk for this one until it's liquidy and smooth enough that you're pretty confident you can sip it through a straw without it being an effort that is uncomfortable. <laughs> it is so stinking delicious. And it is quite filling and heavy. It's yeah. basically like a really rich smoothie. And it's delicious. <laughs> now, is the strawberries room enough, if I'm remembering correctly, about the alcohol that usually is involved in it? Is that a brandy that goes into the sauce sometimes? Yeah, some people also use Grand Marnier, mm-hmm. which is why I put that orange zest in, because that has an orange flavor to it. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I love this with a little bit of brandy in it. It seems like it would be a good summer drink because it is sort of sweet and cold. However, I think it is too heavy for that. Like, I would not go outside and sip this casually because you'll just feel like I felt very much like I would just like to sit quietly in a corner and burp for a while. Like, it's a a heavy, heavy beverage, but so yummy. It's a dessert for sure. Sitting on the porch, just sipping sour Burping. cream through <laughs> It's not a summer drink. <laughs> no, but oh, it is delicious. I, I bet that is delicious. It's a, like the yummiest way to make a smoothie ever. And I just, I, I love taking advantage of fresh fruit anyway, and it makes it fun for mocktails. So if you would like a very desserty mocktail, this is the one for you. Uh, <laughs> we want to once again, thank you for spending this time with us while we talk about the many Romanoffs, both imposters, real, and the ones that just wanted to make up recipes and kind of claim they were near the Romanoff family. Close enough. <laughs> we'll be right back here again next week with another imposter and another beverage. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.